You are listening to Get Real Podcast. Skinner. We are here. It Back. is uh, good to see you again. Yeah, it's good seeing you too. I'm excited about today. And uh, we were talking through the week and there was things that I've noticed in my Christian walk. It's been a lot of confusion. Yeah. And I've run into some weirdos as far as pastors. We were both in a cult. Um, you're For any of y'all out yeah. there, a lot of you have dropped out of church maybe and we're not you know, encouraging that, but no. some tro- some churches are worth dropping out. You need of. to stay away from; they're dangerous. Yeah, some of them are. So you do have to be careful. And this is going out to really anybody and everybody. But it was really on our our heart, on my heart, um, for people that you're in darkness, you're in confusion, you're not sure what's going on. You feel like, whoa, where's God? I thought I kind of knew who he was or how he was and now i'm in that tormenting place it's one of the lowest places that i think i've ever been as far as desperation is when you're in confusion so i'm hoping that something i hope and pray lord in jesus name we just ask today may be more a little preachy we're not trying to be preachy we want to share something that is that has affected our lives and a revelation that i've had this this past week of how you comforted me in times of of what feels like darkness and we just want to pass that along that that somebody could be blessed you know so anyway thank you lord um glenn faith i learned in the 1980s that was something george michael said i needed to have <laughs> i sadly <laughs> i would say nine out of ten times that accompanies every time that word is mentioned it, i hear sad, faith the faith it is it? sad it i, I is think sad. that was a satanically implanted song to kind of uh Get us off course. Well, there's so much talk about faith. Years ago, if you've ever been around, I was born in the Bible Belt. I grew up in Baptist churches mostly. And there were things that drew me in. There were some good Sunday school teachers. My mom is a woman of prayer. She's a woman of God. There were a lot of things that was exciting to me. And then a lot of it was dead group think. A lot of it was just with well, the faith, and don't get shipwrecked in your faith. And there, George Michael, faith, effect, you know. <laughs> and and it didn't. It started meaning nothing to me. I remember as a kid, Glenn. I don't know if you ever did something weird like this. I'm, no, I did I, a lot of weird stuff. You did things. a lot of weird stuff. So this will be right up your alley. All right. Um, when I was a kid, I remember just sitting there, and I can't remember the exact words, but maybe it was lizard, right? And then I would sit there and go, lizard, 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 lizard. And you keep repeating it to kind of short circuit the synapses in your brain. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden, it begins to become an unintelligible noise rather than that word. It becomes divorced from all the previous usage and association of what it is in your mind. And you say it over and over and over again till it doesn't really mean lizard. It's just a weird noise. And to me, when I had heard about faith, I had read about faith, and everybody's like, well, she's a woman of faith, and oh, the uh, faith, the things of faith, or I'm a man of faith. It's like, what are you talking about? And then from an outside perspective, and I'm, I'm going to talk in the real crass, like, kind of third person of myself, and I'm not being blasphemous against God. I'm just being honest and angry honest when you're frustrated. But I was like, why is God so hung up with faith? 
It's kind of weird. What if I saw you again today and I was like, Glenn, do you still believe in me? It would seem a little weird. It'd be creepy. It would just outright creepy. It'd be weird. It's like, Mommy, I I believe the Easter Bunny will bring me candy. Right? It's just a little, it's like, why does God care what we think and feel about him? What is belief? Am I projecting, you know, some new age creation that I'm going to enhance my life with wealth by you got to stand in faith and word of faith. That's nonsense. Glenn and I can't stand it. Jesus didn't go around teaching you how to be healthy and wealthy and wise, but the devil did offer that to him when he was in temptation. So it's like, that's not the point. Okay. It would do you no good unless this life is your best life ever. Big smile, right? <laughs> Y'all know who I'm talking about. Everybody needs to teach prosperity on just, you know, right on the side of a rich Texas oil town. Those teeth are scary. <laughs> Dude, if your teeth are that white, you need to repent. Anyway, so faith. You say it over and over and over again, but you start losing what it means. And then religion becomes this white background noise, just white noise. It doesn't have some specificity to it it doesn't have some anointing that i'm really seeing and thinking because that's when i think we really enrage the world Mm -hmm. is when we don't act like what we talk about all the time is true we talk about hell so when you go and hang out with your buddies or you you see people at work every day or you sing and you don't pray for their salvation, you don't share with them. And I'm not trying to drop a condemnation bomb. It's not that because you can only do so much. If you think you're going to mind trick or sales tactic them into the kingdom, you're wrong. It's got to be God drawing them. But in whatever weird way, he said and commanded us to go and share and to preach, you know, to all everybody. So it's a mystery there. And um, because you can go too far and be like, I just got to go, you know, and then you could go and go and go and you're kind of in the flesh even in your going. So uh, haven't got it all. Faith. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, and this is a well-known verse, and it's um, I get it right here. It says in Hebrews chapter 11, I'm reading the New King James. um, It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I've heard that a gazillion times. But when I look at it and I think about it, a word like substance and the inference in the Greek is foundation or a real thing, okay? Now, faith is the the substance. When I think of substance, it's something I can cup in my hand. Something that you can touch. Yeah, it's yeah. not something ethereal. Now, faith is the, the um, interstellar blossom, but it's not what it says. It says it's the substance. And then it goes even further, and it says the evidence of things not seen. And I'm like, I mean, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, this has been a nagging question in my soul of going, God, I feel just discouraged in my faith, in my belief sometimes. I, you know, I've honestly, I've, I've had a rough time in marriage and business the last several years, three years or four years. And it's been like just trying things that will not go away. My wife and I are trying to work things out, not sure what we're doing. So it's been heavy. And then you you feel like you're in darkness. You feel like, God, if you were here, why do I feel so forsaken? I really like that word evidence because I have some experience with evidence. Yes, being in yeah in a certain, certain profession. Certain activities. Certain, certain activities. And the thing about evidence is evidence can also be described as clues. Okay. Okay. Or what I would like to call as breadcrumbs. So if you're walking with the Lord, uh, if you have just a little bit of faith, just that mustard seed that the Lord talks about, Mm -hmm. 
there's certain evidences that he shows you every day. It's not going to be this grand revelation. It's not the apocalypse, which is what revelation really means anyway. But um, it's it's these little clues, these little hints that he's at work, that he's doing things. Grand apocalypse means grand revelation. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm going to talk about because we're going to talk about different things. We're going to get into talking about light and darkness, transparency versus opacity. We're going to talk about um, judgment and mercy. And it all fits. Well, revelation of faith, evidence, substance, that's heavy duty. That's not ethereal. That's not new age vibrations. And these people want to talk in energy. Well, I believe the energy of the universe and we need to love one. And it's like, yeah, okay, it's a little weird. That's just nebulous stuff. Well, here's what I was thinking. Something that I can hold in my hand about something unseen, some sort of evidence, clue, breadcrumb, revelation of something that I'm completely cut off from. And then I remembered a very obscure thing we jump over in the book of Genesis. And there was a time period that God, he creates the heavens and the earth and the animals and uh, creates this garden. He makes Adam out of the dust of the earth. He breathes into him the breath of life into his nostrils, speaking that, that word, right? The logos. And makes Adam what he wants to be. But strangely enough, and completely on purpose... God said, after he had created the heavens and the earth, what did he say? He said, it is good. Yes. Okay. Do you know that then when he gets to Adam, so Adam's been created and there is a time period, an unspecified time period where Adam is without Eve. Okay. This woman, this help me, this friend, this companion that was tailor made for him by God and pulled out of him. They say side or rib. I don't know. That's a mystery. That's a program in itself. But he was, Adam was put into sleep. But what it said was Adam had already been put in charge of the garden. Yep. He had already been put in charge of naming and being the husbandman of the garden. So he was out there, you know, God planted the garden east of Eden. And then Adam was put in charge of it. And he's doing all this stuff and he's naming the animals. And I'm sure him and God are walking in the cool of the evening and hanging out together. Adam's having a blast, Right eating and drinking and hanging out with God and the animals and everything. And I don't know for sure that could have been a million years. It could have been three days. I don't know. But we jump over it, and it's rather obscure. So I started looking and going, Adam, as far as Eve was concerned, this is before the fall, so it's a little cumbersome of an example, but I think it speaks. Adam was in the Garden of Eden with an absolute darkness, a veil, He didn't even know that there was going to be Eve. Now, he may have been hungering for Eve. Yeah, and that's probably the point where he got to the tip of that hunger, the ultimate height of that hunger, when God brought Eve along. Probably. 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 So maybe Adam's out there, and you know, he's like, oh, the giraffes. And oh, there's Mr. Giraffe and Mrs. Giraffe. And then he's like, okay, your name is Mr. Giraffe, and you're Mrs. Giraffe. And then they're going through, and the beavers come up, and then the, you know, horses, and just all these, the creeping thing, whatever that is. I thought I used to go to school with that guy, but... (laughs) But so the creeping thing comes up and then Mrs. Creeping thing. She's a great cook. She really is a good cook. <laughs> that was good. But um, so unspecified amount of time, 
Adam's observing the animals. Maybe he's going like, hey, would they all have a buddy? You know, and I don't, yeah. right? A partner that's been so co-opted by the world that we're, that used to be something truckers said. Hey, partner. Hey, partner. Hey, hey good partner. buddy. And now you say any of that, and it's all been co-opted by perverts. Here's my partner. <laughs> <laughs> Go say, say partner to somebody. <laughs> People look at you funny. But so then Adam, unspecified amount of time. And then you know what God said? God said it is not good that man should be alone. He probably saw what the garden looked like with Adam just doing it himself as a bachelor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, <vey. laughs> oh, That is really good stuff. This is, I don't know what you put in this coffee, but it's good. <laughs> so, yeah. For whatever reason, but do you know that word is the same one that God said that after they created everything, except for Eve. Eve was the last thing created yes, that we right. know about. That's right. If right? you think about it, that's I think correct. So. Yeah. If yeah. we're wrong, email us at lithoscry.com. <laughs> but uh, I think Eve was the last one created, the yeah. last thing created. So he waited, and she was created out of man, which is so interesting. So for whatever reason in God's glory, he allowed this lapse, and he even held back and delayed some of his goodness. Why, why would it be incomplete? If he looked at the heaven and earth and said, it is good, but intentionally kept Eve out of Adam. I'll tell you why. This is just a thought. Dime la verdad. This is a thought. Is that God wanted to have that relationship with Adam and develop that relationship with Adam first. Here's the cry that I hear of a lot of Young men, I want to get married today, okay? <laughs> or or people that are believers that are single, I want to get married right now. And then they spend all that time focusing on getting married and getting in these horrible relationships rather than focusing on that relationship with the Lord. And when that relationship with the Lord comes to that certain point that the Lord thinks it's, it's good, then along comes the woman. There you go. And you could dodge the creeping thing because you don't want to go yes. there. <laughs> No, that's a crazy cat lady. <laughs> that's a good point. That's a really good point. So here is substance and evidence. You and I have spent a year doing this podcast and something that comes up pretty much every time that we talk. It's what we actually see in metal. Mm -hmm. We see bits and pieces, a little chunk of logos, a little mm -hmm. artifact of leftover, evidence, a half truth of this. So think about this, Glenn. Okay. Someone looks around and they're like, oh, I want to be with my family. Mm -hmm. Lost person. I want to have a family. Um, a young man says, man, I want to have a wife. A young woman says, I want a, a man to love me and 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 per cherish me. Um, all these things, that is remnants of logos. Yes. Okay. It's a little bit left over from the Garden of Eden. It's a little bit. We had family. We had provision. We had joy. We had relationship. We had feasting. We had delicious food. The animals didn't eat one another. No, they didn't. At we that didn't time, no. And no. we didn't eat the animals no, that we, we know of. No. Okay. So even a vegan, as much cognitive dissonance as a lot of them have, there's a little chunk of logos in them wanting to be kind and gentle with the animals. Yes. It just has to be done with the restoration of all things. It can't. You can't jump or go through another door. Ooh, it has to be point. through Christ, good right? Point. Okay. So the evidence and the substance when lost people hear the word of God, they're like Adam that has never heard about Eve, 
that I know of. Maybe never seen Eve, never touched Eve, never heard Eve's feminine sweet voice. Okay. But boy, if it did, you know, it would get his attention. He'd be like Mowgli coming out of the jungle and he thinks I'm a wolf and he's a funny looking wolf. Not enough hair. He's super slow. He smells weird. He's not a good wolf. Right. But when Mowgli comes out of the jungle and sees a Sheila for the first time, right? When Adam saw Eve and he was like, oh, Lord. And he's talking, he turns to God and he goes, look at that 0.7 hip to waist ratio. (laughs) And then he looks at God and he said, God, what is a 0.7 hip to waist ratio? Here's my point. The evidence of things unseen. She had been unseen to him. But she was tailor-made for him. Therefore, there was a resonance in what was him Okay. that was already built in him that he recognized in that illumination and the revealing of Eve is like a lost person under the drawing of the Holy Spirit hearing the word. The Bible says that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And in the beauty of what happens, the evidence, people are like, well, how do you know for sure? You don't know anything. All truth is relative. I can make up my own postmodernistic truth. It's just what I feel, man. It's the ooze. It's the squish. No. Okay. There is truth. There's logos all around you. And when all of a sudden you hear Eve's voice, you see Eve's form, you you see her, you want to touch her, you want to be with her, you want to talk to her, you want to walk around in the garden, you want to laugh together, you want to eat together. There's something that says, yes, this is what I was made for. And what you have to understand, if you've never don't know for sure that God is there, there's someone drawing you. There's the voice of the spirit wooing you. And when you hear the word of God, and very specifically, the part of the Word of God that you can hear that will most resonate would be the law, okay? Because, Glenn, this has been on me for a little while. Okay. But the law is Eden. Say that again. The Ten Commandments are the Garden of Eden. They it's, epitomize the perfect Listen to me, y'all. We're going to get back to faith because this is all driving with what faith is. Faith is that substance. The Bible said that there's a measure of faith, like a seed, like just a little measure of faith. Some people have more than others. Some people God moves upon. I don't understand all the mysteries of election. Some of of it's a gift. Exactly. Some people you can go, Jesus died for you, and it bounces off their forehead, and they go right back to the lust of their flesh, and they're never going to lose sleep over hell or damnation. And they look around and just see, no, it's party time for me. I don't care if I'm heading to an uncertain grave. I don't care that that sunset moves someone to go, who made this? Why do I enjoy this? The breeze, the seasons, animals, um, the beauty of creation, sexuality, music, poetry, everything, the prophetic arts, Glennard Skinner, everything that somebody might see in this earth that might move them. People will give their life to study slime molds. There are scientists that for 30 years have written paper. Oh, Oh, they're my everything. And they sit there and just a tiny sliver of God's creation and not exactly the most honorable mention, right? Right. A creeping thing, a slime mold, whatever. Hey, I study slime molds. Yeah, I I find rodents to be fascinating. You know, whatever it would be. (laughs) That date would end very quickly. (laughs) (laughs) What do you do for a look? I study slime molds. (laughs) They're fascinating. (laughs) Check out my refrigerator. (laughs) But Glenn, here it is. Okay. The Garden of Eden. The law. 
not in order, but thou shalt not steal. Oh man, God's trying to cramp my style. I want more. I want provision. I want stuff. Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve. They didn't have to toy by the sweat of their brow. He did certain things of being the husbandman in charge of the garden, but it wasn't like, it wasn't the curse of the earth. He had full provision. God made this garden and it just brought forth all this fruit. Everything was there. Everything everything was there. So in provision, perfect provision, when somebody says, "Um, thou shalt not steal, it kind of bounces off because you're in Eden. It doesn't work. Okay. The law reveals nature. Well, if you go into the garden of Eden, you apply the law It bounces off because it makes no sense because they had a perfect nature. Number two, thou shalt not commit adultery. What's that? What's that? You mean you mean my point seven babe over the point point seven hip to waist ratio? Eve, that she's awesome and she's the only one around. It makes no sense. Why would I want to go and steal? Thou shalt not have any other gods before me. You shall not make a graven image. Yeah, why am I going to do that? Because you're hanging out with me every day. Imagine him thinking about bowing down and worshiping a giraffe. That would be a laugh out loud moment for Adam. They'd be like, "That is the funniest thing we've ever heard." We walk with God in the garden. He was the maker of heavens and earth he's the only one worth our time and our worship he is everything he's daddy he's abba Mm -hmm. so it bounced off the law is eden so here's what i'm saying to you there are little bits and scraps and half truths and shrapnel pieces and all sorts of things in the wreckage of your psyche in the wreckage of what's around you and the wreckage of biology and nature and all these things that are all over the planet that are right now in a very tainted messed up form it was like a great painting that got vandalized or got left out in a storm. And you look at it and you're like, I think that's Mona Lisa, but she's missing a few ears, yeah, right? right? So it's that's what you're around. But in that, there's these measures of faith, measures of things. And when God, that becomes activated by the moving of the Holy Ghost and by the hearing of the word, then all of a sudden these dots start connecting and there's a yes moment. There's a connection. And when the Bible says, thou shalt not steal, and you look that go, whoa, I'm a thief. Thou shalt not bear false witness. I'm a liar. Thou shalt not take him. I can't take somebody else's wife. I can't have envy. That was the granddaddy of them all with Lucifer. That really was. And the one separate podcast, but the one that I think it's most misunderstood is about the Sabbath day. And I believe Mm -hmm. that the Sabbath day is actually giving you the hint that it's talking about Eden, saying, remember the Sabbath, remember the rest. What did God, when he said, I swear in my wrath, ye shall not enter into my rest. It was a people that had rebelled against him, the children of Israel, if I'm not mistaken, while he was trying to lead them into the promised land of bounty and provision and of of their calling. And that's when the law was given, was prior to the entering of the promised land. Something that just smacked me between the eyes this week, as we after we had talked about this, Mm -hmm. you know the way I am. You'll say something and I'll just start start, start ripping the Bible apart. Not literally. (laughs) That is so blasphemous. (laughs) I'm done with you. (laughs) I'll go soon the corner, Dan. In the book of Galatians, Paul talks about the covenant of faith that God made with Abraham. And Abraham was justified by his faith. Noah was justified by faith. There was no law at that time. The law came 430 years. Come on. 430 years after he ratified the covenant of faith with Abraham. So the whole purpose of the law was not a new thing. It wasn't, oh, well, I'm going to break my covenant now with Abraham. I'm going to do this new thing because you guys don't have it right. All right. 
it was just a further revelation of that covenant to drive them to Eden yeah. so that they would understand what Eden is and the, what the promised land is supposed to be. And there is no way in holy heck fire that anybody can uphold 600 and plus laws of the law. It's much more than the Ten Commandments. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's like well, 600 plus and of th- them. Think of the evil of new law. I don't want to go down this rabbit hole too far, but the evil of new law. Listen, the Ten Commandments, the cool thing about them is they're perfect. Mm-hmm. His law is perfect. It's this mirror. They're not arbitrary. Can you imagine a tribe you know, that just came up around the campfire uh, Thou shalt not eat the beak of the seagull, right? Okay. Or thou shalt not wear red. Or it could be really arbitrary and not fit the present situation, the perfect thing, psychologically, mentally, ideologically, religiously, physically. The perfect fit for mankind is the law of God, the Ten Commandments. It's perfect, Glenn. It is. It, it, if what if it had one of them that was like, "Thou shalt not belch at the table," but then the the Hebrews came up with all of these other laws, and and I'm not dissing the ceremonial law and all the other things that were necessary for what God was trying to do through the priesthood. Priesthood, priesthood was basically a bunch of bloody rituals to try to prepare people for the Messiah. That's all it was. That's all it was. So those laws about, oh, well, I'm not supposed to do this. I'm not supposed to eat that. I'm not supposed to do this. I need to bring a turtle dove. I need to, you don't have to do that stuff anymore. But the law of God, the Ten Commandments, that is not so you can like, uh, it's supposed to be a mirror, not something that you you clean yourself up with. It's not a bar of soap so you can make yourself righteous. Good luck with that. That ain't going to work yeah, out. Fun. That's why, why would he have to wear a crown of thorns? go through the cumbersome, expensive ordeal of the incarnation forever, um, come here, get spit upon, beard plucked out, mocked, um, crucified, scourged, all those things, and not just that, but really take hell, damnation, and the wrath of God upon himself. If you could clean yourself up with a few, like, I'm going to walk a couple of old ladies across the street, that's called blasphemy. Exactly. Let me introduce you to blasphemy. Exactly. That's blasphemy. It's, it's taking God's name in vain. It's a lot of different things. So Eden and the law. Okay, let's go back. Talking about faith. Faith is when those leftovers are activated, that evidence, that substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen, things I've never seen before, I have evidence in my psyche of that rise up when I hear the word and go, ooh, 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 that's right. You and I as believers are like, ooh, oh, Dan, give me the mic, give yep. me the mic. Yep. I, yep. I, you stirred something <laughs> in me. Yep. It's because we are both partakers of the same spirit. Yeah. Well, that's what happens when people hear the word. And guess what? Just if you said, we're going to sing just I am, another 19 times and we're going to wait on you to walk the aisle guess what you could do that for 20 hours but if god's not moving and illuminating someone and that measure of faith is not being quickened you're not going to force them into the kingdom it's all vanity at that point in time. it is so let's talk about this the garden of eden well what happened let's look at this closer adam and eve fell and i don't know for sure but you and i share this sort of point of conjecture I think it's highly likely that they were illuminescent, luminescent creatures. Yes. Okay. Yep. That Adam and Eve shone forth. You can take that Stephen, 
had that happened? Moses had that happened when he even just barely looked at the reflection of God's back, you know, just in the cleft of the rock. Then all of a sudden he comes down glowing and freaking everybody out. And Jesus, when he was transfigured in front of the apostles. Yeah. So we know that there's something about light in heaven. When most angels came, they're like, whoa, they're blinding people. The apostle Paul was blinded by light. There's something significant about light. When you hear about Adam and Eve not knowing that they were naked, and then after the fall, knowing immediately that they were naked, was that just something in their conscience? Was it something sexual? Was it something about modesty? Or did it have something that, whoa, the glory of God was so upon us, we were in righteousness. It was a coat of many colors, like a literal one, mm-hmm. right? Been, so yeah. they had a coat of a, the rainbow beauty of, of this light reflecting off the glory of God. I, I like that. I think it's harmless to believe that. But let's say that that was true. Well, here's something that is undeniable from Scripture, that God withdrew himself to a point, yes, okay? that is correct. That God withdrawing his manifest presence after the fall was a necessity. Your worst nightmare is not the devil, okay? Your worst nightmare is meeting God and not being ready, okay? So God withdrawing an estrangement, a distance, an opacity, a blocking, a partial cutoff, the cleft of the rock. We kind of live in the cleft of the rock, looking through this glass darkly. A friend of ours, uh, Ms. T, not Mr. T, but Ms. T <laughs> told me that she had heard it preached that that glass darkly was like trying to shine up a piece of brass and use a piece of brass as a mirror. Okay. And it would, you know how brass is being yeah. military stuff and it, 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 uh, what does it get? Uh, tarnishes. Tarnish real quick. And then you're looking and you, it's, you have to keep tar, uh, uh polishing it to actually get a good view on even what you look like or seeing something. Well, darkness, okay? People get this new age concept, this Star Wars concept about you've got the light and the dark and they're battling it out like equally. Let me tell you something. That's not what we're in, okay? Darkness, distance, Time. Do you know that the second that Lucifer rose up in rebellion against God, God could have just gone without even, just done. It's over. Okay. But for whatever reason, he didn't. Do you know the second that Adam and Eve, the second, Glenn, that they disobeyed, there could have been complete annihilation. Total annihilation. And he had every right to do so. So he could have annihilated them instantly, but he didn't. He waited, okay? That waiting is mercy. Yes. He had mercy on Adam and Eve, okay? And here's something that I want to talk about. So there is transparency, manifold presence of Almighty God. You're You're walking and talking with Him. You're shining in the glory of His presence. You're like in bliss. You're in perfection. Well, the more light that there is, and I don't know whether or not Adam and Eve in the garden were beholding of the same exact sort of light and manifestation that for eons untold that the angels did, okay? I don't know whether, because after Lucifer fell, I don't know whether the economy of God dealing with Adam and Eve was an innocence, but still with some sort of um, partial revelation, perhaps? I don't know. That's total conjecture. But what I'm noticing, and you can see this all throughout the, the book of Scripture, you can see that where manifold light is given judgment is accelerated yes where darkness is distance estrangement 
there is manifold mercy given. Think about the devil, devil and his angels. They'd seen holy, 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 boom, you know, the bellowing of the, the cherubim and, and God sitting there. And they're in this, this just ground zero for the presence of God. And for whatever reason, in Lucifer's heart, and he, they had some bright idea that they were going to take over the place, right? Wow. And God cast them out. And I've never read anything that leads me to believe they have any opportunity of mercy. They sinned against the greatest light possible. They are right there, part of the party, part of the just storm that is God, right? Right. And nothing. It's like, boom. And he made hell. The lake of fire was not made for people. How many times have you heard, well, I can't believe in a God that would make... He never made it for humans. It was not intended for us. It was not. It was made for the devil and his angels, right? So there's this thing. I don't want to call it algorithmic because God is a person and a, a personality. Not like um, when you talk about the Trinity, it's like you can choke on it mentally real quickly. But think about that. All Let's think about examples. Children of Israel. All the miracles that they saw coming out of Egypt. The plagues. The parting of the Red Sea. The quail, the manna, the this, the serpent, the the staff, the rod, the the budding of the the almond. I mean, you go through it, and boy, wherever it looks like God is being really austere, really like tough, going like, oh, God's kind of like. It's usually when people are sinning against great light. That's true. They had what in the tabernacle? They had the cloud. They had the glory in the tabernacle, the ark. Yeah, and the interesting thing about the cloud in the tabernacle. Uh, and in the temple is from our Sunday school visions. We have this vision of the priest going in and they're seeing all this great, glorious light. Well, you read in the scriptures, especially it's, um, let me take a look here. It's first Kings. Solomon talks about that. What the priests encountered in the tabernacle were clouds of thick darkness. Wow. Mercy. Wow. They were encountering mercy. Well, you know why? Because if it had been the other, think about it. Where is it talk about where the the priest once a year had to go in and put on like a surfboard leash sort of thing? And if if he wasn't prepared, he was like, well, I'm not going to really do what it's, you know, and he he was like half-hearted in what he was doing. He dropped dead because of the presence of God. He And he would go once a year behind the veil into that holy place. Well, mercy is in the veil. Mm -hmm. Jesus was God veiled in flesh. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. That's a famous uh, either Christmas song or hymn or something. I can't remember which one. But it's and, and it's so beautiful when you think about it, that in darkness, so listen to me. If you're confused, if you were abused, there's people that have different levels of that measure of faith. If you take somebody that grew up in a, a prayerful Christian home, a tender, providing, protecting father, a loving, nurturing mom, that would discipline and love and cherish your children, you have a benefit. You have some light. They took you to Bible school, vacation Bible school. They loved on you and didn't hurt you. Versus somebody that's born that was a crack baby. They were malafflicted by somebody else's sin. They come out, maybe they're not quite right. Maybe they've never seen their father in their whole entire life. They don't have a psychological pattern for that logos to express itself of, where's my daddy? 
they their mom maybe was a drug addict, abused them, put cigarettes out on their arm as a toddler. They're scarred. They're PTSD. They don't know. Do you understand the amount of mercy that God has upon that darkness? Glenn, this is what it was. It was the fact that if you'd been abused and you've been the, oh, I can't bear it. I can't bear it. I can't. Yes, you can. Christ bore everything and he will interrupt your darkness. Imagine, okay, we've hinted at this a little bit and I've changed. I had to repent from being hard hearted about just sexual deviancy, homosexual, uh, homosexuality, because you can get activistic in your mind. Like here, there's a militant group of activists. And I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about individual people that grew up. And for whatever reason, whether it was hormonal in vitro, whether it was, they had some issue where they didn't know anything. They just discovered they had same sex attraction and they hate themselves. Or they thought about killing themselves and they read the Bible and they felt so condemned. Let me tell you in that level of darkness, Oh my God, God does not despise you. He no. loves you with such tenderness and he'll smite that darkness. He'll Look, as heterosexuals, people walk around and go like, dude, I have to deal with darkness in my heart all the time. I cross that one bridge that's got all these gorgeous women in yoga pants. Like every day I'm like going across it three times. I'm like, come on, we need some veiling going on there. You know, <laughs> it's some like, clouds of darkness. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, I can order them up right Lord, now. Smite me with a cloud of darkness right now. <laughs> this coffee is really good. This today. is really good coffee. So if you're in a place that you feel like it's no, it's too much. I could never forgive. No, it's too much. I feel like I've sinned too far against God. No, I've got all this anger. Let me tell you something. God has such a provision of grace and of mercy and of time. And the darker it gets, Glenn. There's a couple of places. I've been to some churches, and you're like, kind of ho-hum. I've been to a lot of churches. like I have. And God bless them. It may not be. I mean, the preacher could grimace like Yoda and try to work up something, right? You could play the game show music and try to whip up excitement. It's the price is right. Oh, I'm going to have to get rid of that track. I was about ready to cue up. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No, you, you could try to make something happen, but there's really... I've seen a few times in my life where I've seen it personally or I've actually heard testimony of it happening. Read about or listen to videos about Angola prison. These messed up men, some of them lifers, going to spend the rest of their life for rape or murder or whatever behind bars. And they gave their life to Christ. They heard the word. And these men worship with their big old tattooed arms, like lifted like this. And the glory of God moves upon them. And they see people restored and saved. And the the unsaved and the, the government bureaucrats, they don't know how to deal with it. Because all of a sudden, these men that they had to use pepper spray and billy clubs and clear shields and all that. Now they're like praying for the guards and loving them and sharing the gospel. And there's a prison in Louisiana. Read about it. I read about um, and hear different things about a nation that I won't mention because I don't want any sort of algorithm from somebody's intelligence figuring out which country I'm talking about. But there is a country that persecutes very, very viciously Christians. And God is moving in ways that I can't hardly hear three minutes about it until I start just tears trickling down my face. And it's usually... Places where it's of great darkness, the conscience of a rapist, a murderer, a guy that raped and killed a woman, or a a country that is like viciously trying to snuff out the gospel 
And that's where I see God moving. So if you have that heart, if you're plagued with, with I don't care what it is. Glenn, think of it. It could be what anything. Could, it could be anything. It doesn't matter. And it's like, and the religious people are all, it's, it's this casual thing that it's like, it's our party. No, I'm talking about... I feel good because I'm a disgusting pig that that God found and poured his grace upon. And I responded going, yeah, wash me. Where else can I go? You got the words of life. Yeah, we're no better than anybody else at all. Yeah, not at all. You know, we've just tasted God's grace. Going back to the darkness being mercy. Before you called me and started talking to me about this on the phone, there were a couple verses in, in the book of Psalms that just completely blew my mind about who God is. And it kind of helped pe- what you were saying me the other day help piece it together and i want to kind of step our listeners back a little bit just so that they can understand and and piece it back a little bit together too is that god is not darkness okay but he uses darkness to prevent people from being judged because when you stand in the light you're judged exactly correct yeah okay so in psalm 97 i read this and there was another another part of it uh where it talks about fire coming from god's nostrils Mm. that's cool Okay, that is not the image of God that is painted in most churches right now. That's metal. (laughs) We had to bring it up. It is. But Psalm 97, verses 1 through 2, I was totally fascinated with this. The Lord reigneth, let the earth rejoice, let the multitude of the isles be glad thereof. Clouds and darkness are round about him. Righteousness and judgment are the habitation. Righteousness and judgment are the habitation of his throne. Wow. Clouds of darkness round about them. Now, if you think about this, let's smash some deception. Okay, smash. Let's smash, okay? So, the common modern Christian view of darkness is, ooh, that's bad. So, if they saw God showing up in the atmosphere and saw these clouds of darkness, what would be the common Christian reaction? Scary. That's not God. That's That's not God. That's the devil. Right. Okay? So, what does the devil portray himself as? An angel, An angel of, of light. light. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So the perversion is, and this Satan wanted to steal darkness, yeah. God's mercy for his own use, and he's turned it into this perverted thing. All right. There is a place for darkness. And going back all the way to our first edition of the Get Real podcast, we talk about night and how night is a good thing. Yeah. We need it to sleep. Okay. It's programmed into God's program. It's not that night is evil. God made it and he said it is good. All right. So false light and this is what's presented in most of modern christianity false light is very beautiful it's very attractive you want to be around it you're attracted to it oh just go to the light come to the light Mm. all right there's a problem there because luciferian light does not expose it does not convict of sin righteousness and judgment it's just very attractive and very warm it's kind of like those I really, it's kind of weird. I like those uh, blue lights that attract bugs for some reason. I I like that color too. I don't know why, but that's what Luciferian light is. That false light is just going to draw you in and zap you. But God's light is exposing and not exposing in a shameful way, but in a redemptive way. Well, think about it. Why would God want to reveal his light to you prematurely? It's the answer of the podcast that we did. Why does God allow evil? And we actually said it, if you re-listen to it, because of mercy. Yes. There's evil being able to reign because if God just said, you know what, let's dial in the timing. It's all reverb. God speaks the world into existence. There's a bit of an anomaly with free will and us veering off 
whoa, we're not in righteousness. We're not in truth. We're not in that light in judgment. And to, judgment means to set that right, to, set to bring straight. it right back, yeah. set it straight. So it's like, if we're not ready for that, we need darkness. So it's not the eye of Sauron and you have this big epic <laughs> battle of light and darkness. And no. no, that's that's the way the enemy probably wants you to think that it is. And there's something else that the enemy wants you to think. There's a difference between judgment and condemnation. Yes. Judgment, as Dan just said, and for our listeners that, that maybe this is the first time you're listening, judgment is to set things straight, to get you to Eden. That's how you get to Eden is through judgment. Yeah condemnation well that's just telling you that you're bad and there's no hope yeah that's what condemnation is and the bible makes it very clear that in christ jesus there is no condemnation he just wants to get you to eden back to faith for a moment so faith if you read in hebrews chapter 11 that's a good place to read if you're listening and it goes through all these different things the whole of faith it starts talking about rahab She's a prostitute, mm-hmm. but she knew that, well, God is with them. She knew when you're sitting there and in whatever remnants of logos you've got going on, and then you're exposed to the word and belief blossoms up of going like, whoa, that, that's, that's God. That sin guilt grabs a hold. And then you ask, oh, would you save me? Would you wash me in your blood? I get it. I'm not acceptable to be in your righteousness. I, I'm, I'm a breaker of your holy law. I get it. By faith. The Bible says that anything that we do that is not of faith is sin. Right. Okay. Yeah. So faith is like when I sit here and in my mind, in my psyche, in my heart, in my whatever, it's hard to talk about these things. I'm contemplating that, whoa, it's almost like I'm stuck in a prison cell. I'm buried under the cleft of the rock, but I'm being mindful of a loved one. I'm thinking that, no, this is only for a season. This is not my home. I'm sojourning. And I thought about how many times um, Moses, it said that Moses said that he would not be counted as the the son of of Pharaoh's daughter, but he preferred, instead of enjoying the pleasures of sin for a season, instead of looking and going like, hey, look at the buffet. Like if you fit too well with this world, if this world didn't, make you want to go on meds or make you sometimes want to jump off a bridge or make you want to weep or scream or punch or the people that are like, Hey brother. And it's like, they're, they just fit in with everything. They're they They don't have a wrinkle on them about life. I feel like a crazy maniac half the time. And when I look at it, it's like, you should, you should, if you just are yeah. like, Oh man, this is great. It's all Disney world. Right. What a wonderful world. (laughs) (laughs) Think about it, Glenn. And it's when you think about, oh, man, there's so many areas this could go. But faith is when you sit there and you have that revelation by faith. Faith is important. The difference, if you're saved today, you received by grace through Through faith. faith. Through the evidence and that substance, that remnant, that seed, that measure rising up in you when the word was exposed to you, when you got a revelation, when you looked at a sunset, when you saw that, whoa, the maker, I'm not ready to meet the maker. And God with darkness gave mercy and he gave you revelation. Think about Ananias and Sapphira. That was at the early beginnings of the church when the revelation of the Lord was so clear. The Peter in that apostolic anointing is walking through the streets and even his shadow was healing the sick. 
And they came up and decided, well, we're going to do a little fib here to make us look really good and kind of, and the, the Lord struck them down dead. Doesn't that seem harsh or austere? It does. Conversely, think about Cain. I always thought, I'm like, no, the narrative is wrong in my heart. I was like, God, no, 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 no. We need to edit that. I believe in the inerrancy of scripture, but you made a mistake there, Lord, you know, in my flesh. I'm like, no, it should have been. And where's your brother? And then it was leading up to this. Yeah. And he was going to melt him and, you know, I made it right. was going to smash him. That was the movie narrative that my flesh had in store for Cain. But he didn't. He even said, if anybody, if anybody... You know, what does it say? If anybody kills Cain, he's going to have like all this vengeance and yes, seven it's going to follow him. It's going to, yeah, all this crazy stuff. And I'm like, why was God so merciful with Cain? And then I understand. They they had just been plunged in darkness as a family. Adam and Eve, they don't even know what's going on. And they, in their error and in their darkness, in their error. There. There you go. Eve had error. She was so believing that, oh, God had promised us a man to come from my seed that would destroy the the serpent. It would crush his head. They thought that Cain was the Messiah. Wow. They really did. Yeah. She thought, I've gotten a man from the Lord. And Cain was probably brought up like this preferred little king. The golden boy. And Abel was like, oh, I get neglected. I don't get a lot of attention. I get this. But, oh, in his lowly estate, he saw faith rose up and he understood that, oh, we do need to kill these animals and they do need to be offered as a sacrifice because this lamb upon this altar is representing him that will come and destroy that. And that's not my brother. Somebody's coming afar off, but I put my faith in him. And in God's mercy with Cain, I may be mistaken, but I think that was the first instance of human murder. It was. It was that we know about. That comes out of Cain's heart. I'm sure he was like afterwards. What was that that I just did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's that mercy there, that darkness that yeah. he's in. And because God could have just wiped him out and yeah. wiped out his seed, and He didn't. No. And it, there was some error. So that was on my heart. With me, Glenn and I have been around some error, and we were victims of error. And when I go and look at all the different, it's like a preaching zoo out there it's like people will tell you you need to do this or they're like oh and then and i'm sorry if this makes you stumble but the people that are talking about like gold dust falling and look garbage listen to me listen to me god does whatever he wants okay but i would much rather my friends or my family rather than getting glitter from hobby lobby (laughs) sprinkled on them out of the air conditioner vent i would rather them experience okay the conviction of the spirit, the drawing of God's spirit, rather than all the glitter in the world, or rather than my bank account blossoming. Hey, I'd like money, but it's a small thing. It's not, I'm not that comfy here. I, I want to taste of him that's that's afar off. I want just that little shimmer and his presence. I want to be around him. I want to taste of him. I want to please him. Yes. And you know what? You don't have to condemn yourself. You can be one messed up dude. The Hall of Faith, Samson. Samson was like... He was totally messed up. He was in love with a prostitute. Yeah. That was a Philistine. (laughs) Okay, that'd be like... That's a double no-go. Yeah, it's a double (laughs) no-go. And then he like, at the end of his life, he was like, oh, okay, I'm all blind, I'm all messed up, and he took out a... I'm like, okay, he made the Hall of Faith. He did? David, okay? He got the tail end of the Hall of Faith there, uh, uh, honorable mention sort of thing. David, he... Murderer, adulterer, all this stuff, he was like... And then it's amazing that God used him. 
Peter. Peter was like, well, I'll take his ear off. Peter's like, I'll get out of the boat. I'll walk. Ooh, help me, Lord. I'm sinking in the water. And then Peter even fell into doctrinal error later he on in did the church. He did and had to be withstood to the face because he was trying to reintroduce the law. outward righteousness, the law, as being all the law did was get you ready for a Messiah. All it did, I believe that when I read the Beatitudes, that's after the law whooped you. Yeah. Morning. It's after the lack of logos. It's after the world, the weary, sin weariness, and the law whoop you. You're mourning. You're meek. You're humble. You're all these different things, and you're ready. You're, you're on deck for the precious blood of Christ to be applied to your life. I, I get it. So it's not, man, i got to sharpen up my beatle tootle on deckness, man. i got to sharpen up the beatitudes in your life. I'm going to do it so good with the beatitudes today. Yeah, it's like, no, man, the law... I mean, life in this fallen world. Oh, look at the sunset. It's beautiful. Clock. Yeah. You know, a seagull pops you in the head or something <laughs> just like you're in a fallen world. You know, people get cancer and die. I, yeah. One of my um, uh, person that I was working with this, this week, she looked at me and her eyes were a little cloudy. And I was like, hello, ma'am. Nice to meet you. And she was like, I just lost my husband of 49 years yesterday. And I didn't know what to say. I looked deep in her eyes, and I was like, dear Lord, give me just compassion for, to be able to, yeah, to deal with this. What do you say in a situation? What do you say? And, and even then, what she was saying resonates with logos. Eternity resonates with logos on the lost and on the found. You and I have been sitting here getting chill bumps listening to Devin Townsend. He's, he's got that measure, hopefully being activated, being, he's like, where is this? What is going on? So he talks about these concepts like grace and, and, and unconditional love and restoration and apocalyptic revelation. And there's all these things going on. Faith, faith. It's that measure that's in you that when all of a sudden the word, and it can be disturbing. The law can mess you up. It can be. It really can be. And faith. For those that are just new to this concept or still dealing with the delusion that's out there is faith is not reckless. It's not careless. It's very thoughtful. It's very logical in a lot of ways because evidence is logical. Substance is logical. We're not talking, as Dan said, about this ethereal stuff. And it's also very, faith is very compassionate and and filled filled with love. And you said just a few seconds ago about the zoo of preaching on what faith is. What it, it's all been perverted. Again, Satan's come in to pervert faith because faith is the is the vehicle or the mechanism to salvation. So of course it's been. And then it if we do, if we're not walking in faith, it affects our relationship with the Lord. So it's something that uh, Satan has really touched. Martin Luther realized the same thing in his day in the 1500s, and I found something that Luther wrote about faith. It's really cool. This is what he wrote. So, hold, buckle up, everybody. Luther was metal. <laughs> faith is not what some people think it is. Their human dream is a delusion. I like that. Because they observe that faith is not followed by good works or a better life, they fall into error, even though they speak and hear much about faith. Mm. So, yeah. Well, you and I talked about this. You know where faith is dead, of no use, no useful value, just discarded. It's it's done. The old rusty Studebaker, right? Yeah, is in heaven. 
Don't need it anymore. You don't you need it, it anymore. You it. When you're in the open, when when you are remade, born again, the blessed hope, you get a new mind, a new body, a new spirit, you're ready to roll. And then you're put right in a worship service, right in the center of God's glory in heaven. You know, however that works. I don't know all the mechanics, but you're there, man. Front row seat. Woo. Soaking it in. Right? Soaking it in. Fist pumping. There is no faith. No. You must have opacity or darkness separation, estrangement for faith to even make sense. Yeah. Okay. Faith means that there must be that separation. That's why faith is the mechanism by lost people. We're here muddled and we feel this inner witness, this inner substance, this inner evidence rise up and greet the preaching of the word and go bing right in your mind. And it goes, that's truth. And it was like Adam seeing Eve and going, that's everything I've ever, I've, I've, I, I, and he didn't even know how to talk about it. It's unintelligible. But everything in him goes, yes, this is truth. And that's how people know that the word of God is the truth. Yes. People hate that when people are like, no, I believe the Bible. People are like, why do you just believe that book? It's so, it's that fable that, uh, uh, Sturgill Simpson was talking yes. about. He yeah. was like the, those fables and all that that stuff. That, that old the, angry man in the sky. Yeah, the old yeah. angry man in the sky. And I'm like, no, 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 Sturgill. You were around religion, and religion is it does not lead you back to this understanding. The beauty is, you and I have talked about Gnosticism. Think about that, Glenn. Gnosticism is the thing that's going to create new law and say that all those noble things, family. No, the priest should not um, married, and they can't have kids and be married. So we're going to turn them into pervs by unnatural restraint, right? right. Uh, we should um, we should do all these different things that no uh, wine or all these different things are illegal, and you can't dance, you can't celebrate, you can't enjoy music, you can't play heavy metal, you can't do any of these things because in new law we're going to make the Garden of Eden here. We're going to do this right now. And it doesn't lead back to light. It doesn't lead back to logos or revelation of God. Not at all. Because it's not the Ten Commandments. You're being extra biblical. If I say, Glenn, in our church, we don't wear blue. And then you feel like I have displeased God because I've worn a blue t-shirt. Right? Right. That's weird. But if I say, hey, the Bible says thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. That makes sense. That makes sense. And it applies. Because even without the law... Even without knowing the Ten Commandments, there's this thing that we have called the conscience. Yeah. Well, that is Logos. That's, That's Logos. Leftover right Logos. Yeah. With, uh, what does it mean? With science. With science. With knowledge. With knowledge, yep. Yep. I just know that it's, if I didn't have the law, if I wasn't exposed to the Ten Commandments, I know that would be bad for me to take a knife and kill Dan. Yeah. That's bad. And I would feel bad afterwards. Why? No, it's not shaming. It's because your conscience and it's the leftover remnants of logos. Yes, absolutely. And that's why when you apply the Ten Commandments, only the most hardened sinners would not agree that it's good not to murder. Yeah. Most people would be like, well, yeah, of course. Is it wrong to murder? Most people go, yes. Is it wrong to rape, to steal a woman's virtue? Okay. Um Yes, yeah. people say that. Is it wrong to commit adultery? So you have a family, you have children, you have a mommy and a daddy, and it's okay for a man or another woman to come in and fracture that with temptation or carnal lust, and then all of a sudden kids and separation and divorce. And is that okay to do? And people would say, no, no that's not good. So kids are going to be displaced and miserable through, the, through that, right? So when you think we all agree with that, 
but that's where we get betrayed. We see the logos in righteousness, but we're incapable either by action or by inward lust to get that out of us. So we recognize the beauty of holiness, but we can't seem to partake. The closest we could get is to fake it on the outside. I grit my teeth and I don't allow myself to get in bed with a woman that's not my wife. But boy, is porn fun. Or boy, boy, do I drive across that bridge even when I don't need to because all the yoga pants, ladies, right? Right. And I'm doing that because I can fake it on the outside, right? And that's so beautiful as when God saves us, man, inside out, we get a brand new spirit. And then I can leak out revelation. I can leak out um, fruit of the Holy Spirit, fruit of like being heavenly minded, but I can also still be a jerk. I can also still have that stuff left over in my brain, but it doesn't rule over me like it did. Right. You have you can control it. It's pretty heavy podcast, bro. This is heavy stuff. It's heavy stuff. So we want to encourage you. If you're in darkness and hopelessness under persecution, if you were beat up, abused, sexually traumatized, whatever you've gone through in your whole entire life, the darker you've been able to go, because that's why evil is allowed to happen in this world. Okay? It is. That's why all the health, wealth, prosperity preachers that are like rebuking rain clouds and stuff. Oh, don't even get me started. We are allowed. We're all going to die. It's a wage. We're going to die. Our body, the seed of Adam, it's, it's got to go down. Okay? We're going to get a new one. That's our hope. But this earth, man, everybody, you're going to live and suffer and go through a lot of different things. But the wonderful thing of it is that you can see God will give you a special revelation. I just feel that. I feel I saw the pattern. You have austerity and you have darkness. The more you've suffered, the darker your sins, the more you've been mistreated, the more that you have been confused by um, wolves in sheep's clothing. I believe that such splendid mercy of shattering of the darkness, of sweet revelations of his presence. You know, you can be healed quickly and i'm talking about in your mind in your body in your faith right in your in your i'm talking about in your heart he releases his presence to you like he did to me the other day it was like three or four years of suffering and ups and downs or whatever just like it's like here son it's like you've been scrambling around just swatting trying to swat things in the flesh making a spectacle of yourself acting like an idiot, um, but love you. And then he just shows me some logos and melts my heart. And I'm like, really? You know, and then it really brings a rush of healing. And the thing that you want is you're like, oh God, the people that are in heaviness or confusion or hopelessness are right on the edge. And the worst is when somebody does a mind trick on you about faith, about the Bible, you get used by a teacher Somebody's inviting you over for Bible study and they were just trying to be a perv or they're just right. or uh, somebody violated your trust. A, a priest that was telling you all this stuff was maybe you, you got messed with by a Catholic priest or whatever. So a guy comes in the name of God and he's just a slimer. Right. And you're, then you're like skittish about anybody that talks about the things of God. Well, this message and this thing, this is not our normal thing, even though we had some fun with it, believe it or not. And that's the Lord being able to weave that in because this is not us. His revelation is beautiful. Read the book of John in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. It's the what fourth book in the New Testament? Yep. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. 
Um, any of them are a good place, but when you read that, it talks a lot about light. It talks a lot about it bearing does. witness of the light. Yep, it talks does. about logos, about the word and what he did. And somebody came bearing witness of that light and talking about the light. That's like somebody going, Adam has never seen Eve. And then they're going, maybe drawing a little thing down on the thing, start describing. Adam, imagine if you had a, a friend, kind of like Mr. Giraffe over there. And imagine that she had this real delicate feminine voice. And I was like, really? Tell me more. Right? <laughs> right. And then all these things start rest, moving around in Adam. Right? And it's because they were made for one another, even though she was yet unveiled. Well, you are made for God. You have all of this stuff that fits God, that eternity's in your heart. That conscience is like, wait, we're not needing anymore. So you have a sensitivity to, to evil and to this. But usually it's bent towards selfishness, towards narcissism. We have a sensitivity mm-hmm. to our own needs. Hey, that's wrong. You wronged me. You wronged me. That was a lie. You lied to me. Hey, you're looking at that other, other man over there and you're supposed to be for me. But yet we're really slow when it comes to seeing that about us. Right. Where right. we're the liar. Right. Where we're the cheater. We're yeah. the thief. Everybody else has got problems but me. It's so easy to point in that direction. <laughs> Like, for instance, all the stuff, let me talk about (laughs) all that lousy stuff you do. No, everybody knows that it's so easy to look at somebody else. But Glenn, you and I agree. Let's, uh, Let's pray. Let's do it. Okay. Let's do it. God, you mean so much to us. We thank you for your mercy. I thank you all those times I was frustrated about separation and confusion and suffering. And why am I suffering with this? Why is my marriage collapsing? Why is my business struggling? And and all these prosperity preachers, all these like evil people get everything poured on them and seem to have a semblance of a happy life. And it's like, why, why, why? And you get angry or you get frustrated. And I get it. I understand the blessedness of your restraint, the blessedness of suffering, the blessedness of, of some darkness, of some, some tinted windows. And then I understand the sufficiency of your mercy and of your grace coming to rescue those. And Glenn and I stand in agreement. Just anybody across the world that listens to us, we're nobody. I mean, we don't, we don't make any money doing this. We don't, it's not like we're trying to be super like a household name. It's just something weird in our heart that we need to release. And frankly, we've been really frustrated about what many churches have to offer. And Lord, we just ask you to touch those, touch those that have been abused, that have been hurt, that their mind has been muddled by sin and by drugs, by false doctrine, false teaching, things that would draw them back under ceremonial law and just laws of man that were not under the law in that sense you were may you fulfilled the law and we just give you give you thanks and praise I, I thank you and i just ask that you would bless people around the and it's awkward we don't normally do the podcast with such a ministry intent but this was on both of our hearts god we i just ask for those that have been in confusion about faith that have been in confusion about you I pray that every one of those chains be broken, that your spirit move in and just release them. Lord God, that they go back and take a listen to this again, that their hearts would be open, that they'd have a clearer revelation of you. Lord, just release their hearts to be unto service to you in freedom and salvation. Amen. That's cool. Well, I hope that when you read the word, if you've listened to this, that it's a foundational thing that'll transform when you think about faith 
think about that's because of the separation in the darkness. When you think about mercy, think about God allowing time for us, for evil, for everything to get worked out and giving a time period. You think about judgment, it's simply getting in the uninhibited presence of God. You're going to get set right with Logos real fast. Real quick. And woe to you if you're still in the old Adam's frame when that happens. You can't bear Logos. It's like, I'll just... You can't handle the truth. <laughs> yeah, you can. It'd be like waltzing into Chernobyl with your broom and dustpan going, I'm going to clean this up. Yeah, right. You're, you're not yeah, going to clean gonna it. You're going to get You're going to get melted. So we don't want you to be melted. How loving is that? <laughs> All right. Love you guys. Love it. Check us out at lithoscry.com or shoot us an email at uh, lithoscry at gmail.com. What is in this coffee? We got to get some more of it. (laughs)